The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning and welcome to Mentoring with Larry Sternberg. My guest today is Mr. Jay Wilkinson, who is an entrepreneur who started eight businesses before even graduating from college. At this point, he's invested in 25 startups and is a passionate advocate for the Silicon Prairie. Today, he is the CEO of Firespring, which has more than 250 team members and thousands of clients all over the world. Firespring was the first certified B Corporation in Nebraska and was named by Inc. Magazine as one of America's 50 best workplaces. Jay has appeared on CNN and other news outlets discussing how technology shapes our future and is considered a leading authority on the impact of the web on nonprofits. Jay, it's really an honor to have you on the show. And it's an honor to be here, Larry. And by the way, my, you, you might as well just say geek with social skills. That's an easier way to introduce <laughs> A geek with social skills. That's, that's terrific. As you know, we're exploring mentoring relationships on this show. And you know, I'm sorry, before we get into the mentoring relationships, tell our listeners what it is that Firespring does. What is its mission and what does it actually do? Well, our mission, our purpose as a company is to leverage our people, our products, and our profit as a force for good. And as a B Corporation, we translate that into what we refer to as our Power of Three program, where we donate 3% of our products to people that, uh, to nonprofit organizations that are looking for a leg up. 3% of our profit, we do that by donating 3% of our top line revenue to our foundation, which in turn supports the charities and nonprofits, mostly in the in the Midwest, where our employees live, work, and play, and then three percent of our people, and that's done by every team member in our company is required to volunteer one full day a month to a nonprofit of their choice. And if you do the math on that over the course of a year, it's a little more than three percent of our time. So that's our purpose. What our company does is we provide uh, technology, print, um, creative, marketing, and software solutions to um, around 6,000 businesses, brands, and nonprofits across the world. We do that across uh, creative support by doing branding work and marketing work, um, the the typical ad agency type things you might see, as well as software as a service where we have a a product that's very specific in the nonprofit sector uh, where we help nonprofits with the tools and the technology they need to manage their organizations and leverage their mission better. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Please explain for me and our listeners, what is a B Corporation? Well, a B Corporation is a special designation that's given to companies that are certified by the B Labs, which is an organization, a nonprofit based in Philadelphia, um, that organized to help more companies find their way and use business as a force for good, essentially. And, uh, they started an initiative all over the United States to help state legislatures pass um, legislation that allows for the formation of a benefit corporation in a state. And a benefit corporation is simply a, uh, a corporation that makes a commitment uh, to create social impact or environmental impact um, through their business and, and, again, use it as a force for good. And in the state of Nebraska, the legislation was passed in January of 2014. And in July of 2014, it became effective, and uh, we um, were in were uh, partly responsible and involved in helping get the legislation passed in the state of Nebraska. It became the first benefit corporation in Nebraska, which was again a state designation, and then also became the first B corporation in Nebraska, which is a designation provided to us 
through the B Labs organization in Philadelphia. There are somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 B Corps in the world, Ben and Jerry's, uh, Tom Shoes, Warby Parker are other examples of B Corporations. And we were just really excited and, and proud to, to uh, lead that initiative here in the Midwest. And I'm on a, um, on, a, on a mission to help inspire more companies to consider thinking about how to become a purpose-driven company and how, how it changes the dynamic of not only the company, but how they serve communities and serve their customers. It's been a really great ride. Well, congratulations. And just to be clear, this has nothing to do with Samantha B, right? Correct. It does not. <laughs> That's a little humor there. Maybe not much humor, <laughs> but a little humor. No, but it's, it's a great question. I think she's fantastic. <laughs> so you're, I believe, the first entrepreneur that I've been fortunate to have on my show who is the first mentor you can remember? Well, the, the simple and quick answer, um, which I'll, I'll mention, but then, then take it to another level, the thing for me would be my father. Um, most entrepreneurs that I know come from entrepreneurial households, and my father was an entrepreneur and was incredibly um, uh, inspirational to me as I was growing up and saw what, you know, what he was doing. Um, but th- that's an easy and obvious answer because, most, again, it's, it's quite typical that entrepreneurs come from families where they were, where that was bred into them. But in my case, I was really fortunate um, to have many different people that came into my life over the years that have helped me tremendously really think through. And, and I think most of the ones that stand out for me are the non-traditional type of mentors because we oftentimes think of people that are like you or in business a business like yours as being prime fodder for, for mentorship. In my case, I had a uh, college professor. Um, his name was Rick Alloway, and uh, he worked in the radio business, and then he ran the journalism college. And when I went through college, I, I was a, a, a journalism student. I majored in broadcasting and advertising, but through the journalism college. And Rick is the guy that um, really taught me the aspects of servant leadership, of leading um, as much from the heart as I do from the head, and understanding the value of, of culture and, and commitment to the people that I work around and people that I work with. And he taught me that through a series of conversations and getting, getting me involved in a nonprofit that he was connected with called Launch Leadership where I became a volunteer leader for that organization, helping train high school students how to be leaders in their schools and their community. And through Rick's mentorship, um, I learned the fundamental tenets of most everything that I built our company culture around to this day, even though he's never run a business, he's never been an entrepreneur himself, um, he's the person that has had the most impact in terms of where I am today as, as, as an entrepreneur. Are you still in touch with him? On a regular basis. I still connect with, uh, with Rick, and I've expressed to him many times my appreciation and gratitude for the, uh, for the many gifts that he's given me. So would you say you're friends? We are definitely friends, yes. I want to ask you, as long as you brought it up, what are the fundamental tenets that you learned from Rick? Well, again, it starts with... Um, what I mentioned, uh, being a servant leader, really putting others before yourself and understanding that the, the value of building something that's meaningful um, is to create an environment where what you're creating is something that's bigger than you or anyone, you know, any one person. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've often said to our management teams and the, and the folks in and around our company, we're, we're not looking, you know, to hire um, uh motivated people um, we're, we're looking to we're, we're, we're looking to inspire the motivated people that we bring on board um, to to really think differently and to think about our business from outside in and and how we can impact the lives of the people that we serve through our business and uh, you know, people want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves and so it all starts for me with that whole notion of servant leadership. And, you know, it sounds like, uh, you know, I, I could mention a laundry list of things, 
that sound even almost patronizing because we've we, that they've been overstated and overheard. It's about you know it, as as managers and leaders in a business, um, our entire management team operates under the structure that they don't have people that work for them. If they, if there are, if they have ten direct reports, those people don't work for them. Um, the manager works for those people. Um, it's just the opposite you know mentality, and it's something. That, that I feel every day. I don't have um, nearly 300 employees in our company that work for me. I work for them. And that framework and that way of seeing the way that we interact with our teams and our people um, is something that Rick taught me, um, you know, through through the leadership organization that he that he got me involved with. And uh, so those are the are the two most fundamental things. Um, and and extending that beyond again, you know, there's a laundry list of things that sound like uh, you know the little clips that you see uh, from Richard Branson or whomever show up in your LinkedIn feed every day. They almost become um, platitudes because you see them expressed so much. But there's a lot of truth in in, uh, in in all the things about just being being a good leader and leading from the heart and not the head, expressing. Expressing gratitude and love for people. I'm a huge believer that uh, it's okay to use the word love as it applies to business and coworkers and and team members, um, because you know we we work in environments. The, the average adult spends the majority of their waking hours at work, and so we might as well work in an environment that feeds us with energy rather than sucking the life out of us, which is how the vast majority of people in America feel about their job and when they go to work. And so just creating that kind of um, mentality where uh, we're all in this together and uh, just focused on something that's bigger than any one of us. Those are all things that Rick, that, that Rick bred into me when I was in my early 20s and involved in that organization. Well, you must feel very fortunate, too, that Rick came into your life. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was an, one of those incredible strokes of uh, serendipitous fortune. Who approached whom as the relationship started? Did you approach him or did he approach you? Well, our relationship started by when I was in high school, I actually attended as um, um, just an attendee of this this summer camp for students to go and learn how to be leaders. So I attended that as a student and he was one of the adult advisors to this group. And so when I got into college, um, I, I connected with Rick, and he said, oh, I remember you from being at this summer camp. It was a five-day-long summer leadership workshop, as we called it. And um, so he kind of approached me and said, hey, you seem like the kind of person that we, would, we could really use in this organization. Because um, we'd had a few conversations about some things going on at school and he reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested in getting involved, and that started our conversation. So it really um, was him asking if I would be interested in engaging in this really amazing um, organization that he was involved with. So he reached out to you. That's very interesting. I want to go back to something you said earlier. You said something about some of these principles sound like platitudes. And I'd like you to react to this, uh, this observation. It's easy to restate the platitudes. The hard part is living them out. Oh, yes. So, you know, it's just, uh, you, you see so many of those things. It's the, it's the actualizing of some of those things. They're great thoughts, but we all have to do them. It's so true. You know, I, um, I was uh, having just a conversation about that very thing with some folks the other day. We'd actually, we had a manager's meeting where we pulled our, our folks together and we're talking about things, and especially when it comes to culture and how culture is applied in business. Because um, I, think, I think a company culture and the way you build it in an organization kind of ties into um, that, that old um, Maya Angelou quote. You know, she passed away. I think last year, but she once said that I, I learned that people will forget what you said and will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And the sentiment of just the way you feel about a culture is everything. What you say is nothing. Um, the perks, 
um, fancy offices, having uh, a beautiful view out your window, or like in our, we have a slide in our building at Fire Spring, and it's something that people talk about a lot. That we, you know, people ride the slide from the second floor to first. That has nothing to do with our culture. There, our culture would exist without all of those things. Um, but it's how it's how people feel when they're inside the walls of our company that defines a culture. And, and I think that's how you shake the platitudes and, uh, and those false expectations of, and because there's so many companies where you walk into and people have their, their beautiful signs on the wall, their values are stated. Um, Enron had incredible values posted on the wall of their company when uh, their employees and their, their customers would walk in and out of their main lobby. They didn't live any of them, but they had them on, on the wall. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I think it really goes down to that, that sentiment of how it makes people feel. Excellent. We are going to take a break here for a commercial. And when we come back, I don't want to pass over your father. If it's okay with you and you're willing to talk about your father, when of course. we come back, I'd like to start the conversation and have you tell us more about your father and, and what you learned from him. So let's take a break and we'll be back with Jay Wilkinson. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When people are making a significant impact, they're engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. But how do you recognize those people? At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at www.talentplus.com. Talent Plus, where science meets talent, where people drive results. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com We're back with Jay Wilkinson, CEO of Firespring. We're going to talk about his father as his first mentor. Jay, what was your father's name? My father is Gil, G-I-L, Gil Wilkinson. Okay. And... Uh, tell us about. He is a remarkable human. My my dad, from the time that uh, I have any memory of of uh, you know my childhood, was there as an entrepreneur. It afforded him a lot of uh, um, time with us that that he chose to spend with us that a lot of other dads weren't able to do. Um, for example, in grade school. On the football team, you know, practices would start right after school, which was, you know, like 3.30 in the afternoon. And uh, there would be my dad pulled up in his car watching the football practice from um, from the road on the side of the park where we were practicing at 3.30 in the afternoon. You know, where I knew other dads had to be at work, and it wasn't easy for them just to pull aside. Because my dad was an entrepreneur, he owned a real estate company, both residential and commercial um, and so he was able to build into his schedule some flexibility to kind of do what he needed to do at whatever time of day. And when I got a little older, he became my scoutmaster. In fact, uh, my dad, uh, from the time that he started as the scoutmaster of my troop, ended up having eight Eagle Scouts, including myself and my two brothers, um, which was a pretty incredible thing to have eight Eagle Scouts in his troop over a period of about five years as me and my brothers went through the program. And he was just a dynamic leader, and people were gravitated towards him because of the way he would treat people and manage 
people and his employees. I remember going down to his business when I was a really small kid and I would want to go in his office and play with a handheld tape recorder or the other things that fascinated me, you know, the, the, the technology of the time and, uh, and just sitting in his office and the way people would come in and the way he would interact with them. I remember very vividly seeing how he treated and responded to people and uh, feeling that connection um, in terms of just how he how he handled himself and how he managed business. He was uh, um, incredible, and he was very successful at what he did. He uh, he uh, he built a very successful real estate business in central Nebraska. Ended up with the largest Century Twenty One franchise between Chicago and Denver, and uh, had uh, over a hundred agents that were working for him and. Uh, Again, it took a really special, really special person and a special personality and just a special understanding of how to manage and inspire people to accomplish that. You've mentioned a couple of times the way your father treated people. How would you characterize the way he treated people? Well, he uh, he had this sense about him to um, to give people. Um, the, the the floor, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I learned from him is that if uh, if you manage those relationships right, there are there, there are no complaints, there are only issues. Um, he he would basically in, encourage him or, or encourage people to bring issues to it, to to challenge um, questions and to challenge the process and to challenge things, and he handled that so. Admirably, you know, giving people the floor, letting them um, bring their things to the table, and letting people—you uh, know—I I saw this several times too. Um, letting people fail, um, you know, bringing something to the table that may that may not have worked, but not chastising him for it, expressing his appreciation for trying in the first place, and and, and finding and focusing on what they learned from it rather than um, the failure itself. But, but those little things that he did, where. Everyone had a voice. Everyone was involved. Everyone was part of um, the the big picture. It wasn't a a dynamic, and where a lot of businesses at that point in time, when I was you know, in, the, in the 70s and 80s, a lot of businesses were run in the old iron fist way. It's my way or the highway. This is how we do things here. So you know, come in and get your things in order, and make sure you do it our way. Um, back even in those days, he was leading a business and leading people in a way that allowed them to be um, an active part of the solution and not just a, a, a drone or a soldier kind of marching to the orders of their general. And, and I, I, um, I learned a lot from that. It seems to me that's one of the ways that you foster a culture that creates a learning organization. When people are allowed to try out their ideas whether it succeeds or fails, everyone learns something. How do you feel about that? Absolutely. Um, I believe that we have something we can learn from every person that we come across, not just in the company, but we come across in life. Um, and really learning from the experiences of others is, again, one of the most fundamental things that I learned that from my dad, and, and I've learned it time and time again in business myself. My, my father was very involved when I started up what became Firespring. It was the initial incarnation of our company was a franchise. It was an alpha graphics printing franchise. And I had been running a business that I started while I was in college. I moved to New York City where I lived for four years, ran that company, came back to Nebraska, and bought an alpha graphics printing franchise. And on my dad's advice, what I did is I got in a car and I drove all over the Midwest. I rented um, a car. I you know, flew out to the East and the West Coast, rented cars. I literally walked in cold to over 100 Alpha Graphics print shops, my, my fellow franchisees in that system, but I hadn't opened my store yet. I walked in. I introduced myself and said, would you be willing to give me just a few minutes to share with me your experiences? I didn't tell them I was coming. Um, and I, I never had a single person turn me down from that. Um, they were not only interested, but they were enthusiastic to share their experience. Uh, they told me what they did wrong, that if they could go back in time to the very beginning, what they would do differently, um, what their successes and failures were. And I came back with notebooks full of ideas, 
And it was all because, um, uh, I now refer to it as R&D, which is to rip off and duplicate. Um, <laughs> finding out what other people have done and duplicate it and tweak it, iterate on it, you know, change it, um, make sure we iterate the right way and implement it. And you don't have to invent everything from scratch. You don't have to go out and, and just pull things out of thin air. And that's something that, you know, my, my dad urged me to go down that path of going out and talking to all these people. And um, it was the, the best thing I could have done. I ended up um, in the first year of running that business, it set a record for the franchise at the time. It's since been beaten. But um, at that point in time, it was the fastest growing store in the history of that franchise network the fastest to get to get to a million dollars in annualized revenue. Um, if you just take, you know, the most recent three months and multiply it times 12, it, it, it was, uh, it was a really amazing ride. And I attribute all of it to the fact that I learned from others. I didn't, I didn't have to make anything up or create anything out of thin air. Um, there's so much to learn. If you just open your mind to it, we apply that at Firespring now, all of our managers, all of our people know, I don't have expectations that you're going to create things out of thin air. Um, do your R and D. We joke about that term all the time here, um, and and find ways to to duplicate what we learn about and iterate on it and make it ours and make it better. I've found it's it's so easy for an individual to pick apart somebody else's operation. You have to help people get into the mindset that yeah, great, we can pick it apart, but what's there that we can learn from what's there that we can use that's a very different mindset Mm -hmm. it is indeed there's and again there's uh there's something to learn because everyone has gone through trials and tribulations and 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 successes and failures and the ups and downs of experimentation with different processes and just some things might work for you some things might not and we all know our companies better than anyone else or at least we should so it just takes a little bit of time and effort to analyze ideas and uh, concepts that you learn from others and see how they might apply in your world. Who's the next person that you might consider to be a mentor? Well, um, I, I have a lot of, of, of people in the community where my business is located in Lincoln, Nebraska, that I, um, that I lean on that uh, have been really invaluable um, sources of information for me, but they're more casual mentors. I don't have um, formal relationships set up where we've established, um, you know, mentor-mentee kind of relationships. But um, they're the kind of relationships where we can go on a trip together and sit on a chairlift on a ski trip and have the six minutes or the twelve minutes on the way up the chairlift to kind of banter back and forth about things. And it's those kind of relationships now that serve me. Um, and that and feed me with the things that, that are really helpful. So to that end, there are several people in the Lincoln community that I have that type of relationship with. One is a gentleman named Mike Dunlap, who's the owner of a company called Nelnet. Um, and uh, Mike has, has taught me um, how to build and scale in a way that I didn't know how to do before. Um, one of the reasons that my company has done more than 20 acquisitions in the last eight years is because um, Mike has given me lots of insight and guidance and, and really important um, tips and tricks on, on how, to, how to proceed and do that. Um, another really big mentor in the Lincoln community for me is Tom Henning, who runs a company called Assurity. And Assurity actually became the second B Corporation in the state of Nebraska. So uh, Tom and I started talking about B Corporations and the importance of purpose-driven business models at the time that I was really forging that path for Firespring to become a B Corp, and uh, Tom and his company came um, soon after, but um, you know he was he way preceded me in in his ability to layer vision and strategy and um, purpose-driven business models. You know he 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 was doing that years before it was a popular um, thought. You know that, that on the national level that people were thinking about. I have another really good friend in the in the Lincoln community who um, his name is Tom Smith, and he uh, um, ran a company called Smith Hayes Financial that recently um, uh, merged into DA Davidson and Company. And Tom um, is, taught me the value of diversity, um, diversifying assets. You know, not putting everything in 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 one 
product or service or one area or one business the, to, to branch out and, and kind of diversify um, your investment in business in different ways. And he's been really um, invaluable to me in that regard. Another good friend named Mark LeBaron, who runs a company in Lincoln called Lincoln Industries. And uh, Mark is uh, just an iconic um, business professional. I mean, he gets business at a level that very few people that I've ever met get it. He knows how to put things together. And he also has been a leader in purpose-driven companies. He started things, again, a decade before it was popular, taking uh, high achievers in his company to an annual pilgrimage to uh, climb um, a uh, mountain in Colorado as a company, as a group of people that have have accomplished uh, really great things through their wellness program that they created. Um, and I could go on and on with, with the people in Lincoln that have served as in, in a kind of an unofficial mentor capacity in Lincoln because there are so many. And uh, I continue to learn from, from these, these folks and many others every day. How often do you meet with these folks? Is it, is it something you do on a regular basis? Yes, it is. It's something that, um, and what, what I've kind of evolved to in, in the way that I interact with the, the people that I perceive as mentors to me, these people that I've just mentioned, um, is more unstructured, casual interaction. I, t- I tend to get more out of those uh, discussions than the more structured, formal interaction. Um, so we'll go out to dinner. We'll bring our spouses and we'll have a good two or three hour dinner and just talk about business and thoughts and ideas and things. Or we'll um, maybe a couple times a year go on a trip together somewhere, warm weather or snow skiing, something like that. And again, as I mentioned, spend time on a chairlift. Um, and with all of those folks that I mentioned, uh, I've frequently traveled or been, um, you know, worked and had dinner on a regular basis. So again, it's not something that I, with those folks that I formalized and put into a specific structure, but, um, but I've, I've gotten so much out of, um, of the value they brought into my world. I want to go back to Mike Dunlap. You said he taught you how to build and scale. Tell us a little bit, how do you build and scale? Very carefully. (laughs) (laughs) um, Building and scaling is a a very difficult thing for so many because um, we we get into our systems and our processes and we get so focused on those um, and, and so tuned in to the way that something in particular operates we don't often enough, or I'm speaking for myself at least, but I, I didn't often enough take a big step back and climb up the 12-rung ladder and look down on everything to kind of get a, a broader picture of things. And one of the things that Mike does better than anyone I know is he has assembled an incredible team of people around him that he trusts implicitly, and he empowers them to make decisions and to, and to move the needle for his company and for his organization. Um, and he really worked hard to inspire and have the backs of those leaders that he's brought together. Um, but um, he plugs himself in in, the, in in critical points in time when he can add tremendous value to further the conversation or to leverage his ability to come in and solve a problem quickly. I guess the better way to put it, um, in, 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 I used to, when I was a kid growing up, I used to think that someday, I want to be the CEO of, of a company. Um, and after meeting and learning from Mike, my, my thoughts changed on that um, because I now really don't really um, hanker to be the CEO of a company. I want to have somebody with CEO capabilities running my company or my businesses and allow me to step back and just apply um, my role um, with vision and uh, and, and as a conductor um, outside of that. Um, and that's kind of what Mike taught me. Mike stepped down years ago from being the CEO of his company and put um, an incredibly charismatic and um, incredible businessman named Jeff Nordhook in the role of CEO, another guy who has mentored me quite a bit. And I've gotten a lot from you know, my relationship with Jeff. Um, and Mike just stepped back, let Jeff take the reins, let him make decisions, trusted him with those decisions, and just plugged in and engaged in points in time when he was able to really impact and leverage and scale their business. And 
since he did that, um, you know, as a publicly traded company, you know, we can look up and see Belnet has had tremendous growth um, since since Mike um, essentially passed the day to day reins onto others and stepped back and just started to apply his ability as a as a vision leader to his business, and that's essentially what I've been trying to do for the last several years. Excellent piece of learning. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to ask Jay to talk about some people he is mentoring. So let's go to commercial, and we'll be back with Jay Wilkinson. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When people are making a significant impact, they're engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. But how do you recognize those people? At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at www.talentplus.com. Talent Plus, where science meets talent, where people drive results. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com We're back with Jay Wilkinson. He's been talking about some of his mentors and what he's learned from them. And now we're going to talk about some of the people that he has mentored. Jay, who would you like to discuss first? Well, you know, there's so many folks that I have uh, have considered um, to be somebody that's really important and connected with me over the years that uh, that I could mention. And I, I think I, I would probably start this off by saying that to a person, the people that I feel that I have influenced the most as a mentor are people that have influenced me just as much. Um, so I tend to migrate and kind of be attracted in, in a magnetic kind of way to people um, that are interested in a perspective that I can give to them and bring to the table and help them kind of break through some obstacles and maybe see things a different way, but who also um, have the ability to um, to bring something to the table um, and, you know, and, re- and reciprocate the, uh, the, the value that we get from the relationship. And there's so many of those kind of people in the community. Um, um, most of all, I, I tend to do that through a, a network of people that I'm connected with through entrepreneurs organization. It's an organization um, called EO that uh, brings together, in order to be an EO member, you have to be the primary shareholder or the controlling shareholder of a business that has a million dollars or more in revenue. And uh, um, there are somewhere in the neighborhood of about 90 members of the EO Nebraska network, and mostly Omaha and the Lincoln areas. And I have been in that organization for a little over 10 years. And as part of that, we have a forum where we have a group of five to 10 other business owners and we come together once a month and we, um, we just share ideas and concepts. And the thing that makes it really amazing, um, is that we get to do that through, um, a gestalt style of learning, which is essentially, um, a, a, sh- a style where we never, um, tell someone what to do or say, this is give advice. It's not about giving advice. It's about sharing your stories and you can glean from my example or my story, whatever you want, but I'm not going to tell you what I think you should do. And so I'm a firm believer that as a mentor that I should never tell someone what to do. So if someone comes in and asks me to solve their problem or they ask me for the um, it turns me off a little bit, but if they ask me for my 
um, if I have any examples of a situation that's similar and how I dealt with it, that's a much easier discussion to have. Um, I'd rather give advice on how to navigate something, not to give them the actual roadmap or the solution, because frankly, I don't have the time or the knowledge or the intellectual um, um, or the institutional knowledge to dig in and understand everything that I would need to understand to give them that kind um, of advice. So EO, Entrepreneur Organization, is is the primary um, um, uh, vehicle that I use and that, that I have in my life where I have a reciprocal mentoring relationship with many different business owners. And um, I, I, I could list 20 names, 20 people, um, there are a couple in particular that have stood out to me over the years. Um, one of them is a guy named Gordon Witten, who is an entrepreneur in Omaha, who just now launched, I believe it's his fourth company in the last six years. And uh, um, this one is really going to be big. It's a, it's a company called ScoreVision, where they've, they've developed these incredible scoreboards for high school gymnasiums, you know, to bring high school gymnasiums into the 21st century with the technology that they've developed. And the cool thing is, is it, it's a great side effect of the technology that he's developed is that it's bringing together the nerds in the schools, you know, the kids that are doing computer programming or maybe video production, um, along with the athletes that are on the court because they're working together to come up with what, what shows up at halftime or during the breaks of the game been some really cool things. Gordon is also the person, um, he was on a flight one day um, traveling on an airline and he looked down at the, the boarding pass in his hand and, and, and asked himself the question, why is there no advertising on this boarding pass? This was several years ago. He then created a company called Sojourn, raised tens of millions of dollars in, in, in capital and equity to, to launch it. And uh, he's, he's still um, a big owner in the business. He's the, he, he founded the company, but he stepped aside after about three years, brought in a CEO who used to run Yahoo Europe, you know, a big name. And he stepped aside and let them run it and, uh, and take it to a new level. So he's the idea guy. He develops them and, and just builds them out. And so Gordon and I, over the years, have had this great reciprocal relationship where we're constantly talking to each other, giving each other ideas and thoughts on how to... How, how we're doing things in that gestalt style. Um, but he's, he's somebody who comes to mind. Another one is a guy in Boulder, Colorado. His name is Jason Eckenroth. And Jason um, solved a big problem in um, the wine industry. Um, a decade ago, if you were a wine seller in the United States and you were selling a bottle of wine and had to ship it across the state line, the red tape was almost insurmountable. You almost didn't even want to go through the process because there was too much tape to hand. There were so many regulations about shipping alcohol across state lines. Well, Jason had the idea to create software that allowed every shipment to be in full compliance with every state, which was a massive undertaking, but he did it. And a few, um, a few months ago, just actually earlier this year, he sold that business and had a several multi-million dollar um, exit in the business. And Jason is uh, someone he spent, we've, he spent time in here in Lincoln. I spent time in Boulder with him where his business was based, um, bouncing ideas off of each other and kind of um, um, working together. Um, and, and again, co-mentor, mentee relationships. And those kind of relationships are the ones that fuel me um, the most when, when there's a, a, a two-way uh, mentoring going back and forth. Some people use the term peer mentoring for sure, yeah. that kind of relationship. Those must be some pretty exciting conversations you have with Gordon and Jason and other people in the EO organization, which is redundant, I understand. But those must be pretty exciting conversations when you get going. It is. It's very energizing. It's very animated. And... Uh, um, it's, it's, it's common, you know, to just, you can feel the passion oozing out of entrepreneurs. There, there, there's a local entrepreneur in Lincoln. His name is Paul Jarrett, um, who runs a company called Bulu Box. Um, and Paul is the master of banging the drum and, uh, and, and rising and essentially supporting all companies in the startup ecosystem throughout Eastern Nebraska. And, um, you know, it's those kind of entrepreneurs like Paul and like Blake Lawrence at Open Doors. 
um, and Marks Marsley and others that um, I've spent a, a good amount of time with, with most of these folks, um, again, providing insight and help where I can, but um, I've never, I, I can't think of a single experience that I've had mentoring or, or just going back and forth with, with others where I haven't um, gained, you know, an equal amount of insight coming from the other direction. And that's one of the beautiful things about any kind of um, mentoring relationship. Can you reflect on how your approach to mentoring has evolved over the years? How have you grown as a mentor? You know, when I, th- th- there was a point in time in my career when um, I got tired of the phone calls or the emails that would come in um, you know, saying, hey, can I pick your brain? I have something that I'm working on and I want your thoughts on it. You know, about 10 years ago, I started to become actively engaged as an angel investor, and that increased the number of, of people that were reaching out to me, asking for my, my help my, or you know, my insight. Um, and I had to become really cautious and careful with my time um, because, you know, my bandwidth gets just exhausted and, and I'm not focused on, on the right things for me if I just respond to every single thing that comes through. So I, I try to be very judicious. And how I respond, I always respond. I don't ignore. Um, and I always um, do what I can to add value in whatever way I can by making introductions to people I think that can help them, um, which is something that, that, that I enjoy doing. Um, but in the last, I would say, five years, um, I, I've, I've evolved um, a pretty great deal towards really focusing on um, opportunities where um, the types of businesses where I think I can be the most helpful and the most value. So if there's an entrepreneur or someone that reaches out to me, um, if I don't feel that I know enough about their business or their sector or the challenges they might be experiencing because of the type of business it is, I'll just tell them that and, um, and, and again, refer them to someone who I think can. Prior to five years ago, I would be more likely to at least engage in conversations with them and uh, have a dialogue and, and give them some insight um, and advice because I respect the people that ask. You know, I, my, my grandmother used to always say, ask for what you want or take what you get. And that's something that I, I internalized as a, when I first got into business, you know, and, and it's something that we do far, um, we, we don't do enough here in the Midwest. Midwesterners are kind of, um, are, are kind of wired as in, in this stoic way where we, uh, where we don't want to um, impede on other people's territory. We don't want to be too aggressive. Um, it's that whole Nebraska nice thing that we see around um, where, where we live here. And um, I, I think that um, in order to be effective, you have to ask for what you want. So I don't, um, I don't have any problem with people that are asking for what they want. The challenge is, um, just keeping up with it all. So the major change in the way that I've interacted in mentoring relationships is just the way that I've responded um, and been able to help people that have reached out to me that I, you know, years ago would have would have uh, taken more time to help, and now I'm I'm really doing more um, um, referrals and connecting them with others that can help them as opposed to. Um, offering up my time and, and help right now because there are so many things I need to be focused on. And the other thing that I will mention on this, that I have make, I've been more deliberate about how I mentor people in my own organization. In years past, I think that um, I've, I've overlooked the importance of mentoring in my own company, making sure that the managers and the decision makers and the leadership of my own company um, are you know ha- are, are able to to um, work together back and forth with me in a mentor relationship and for them to provide mentorship to the other people in the company I've been more deliberate about that in the last couple of years than I ever have been that's that's definitely transitioned as well do you find that makes the people who report directly to you more deliberate about mentoring the people who report to them has that rubbed off? Yes, no, no question it has. And I, I will share with you the way that my organization is structured. I only have one person who reports to me. It's the chief operating officer of our company. 
Um, um, and that's by design because I, I'm a horrible manager. I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not fit to stand in there and hold people accountable week in, week out because I'm off looking at the next idea, the next project. And you know, the day that I made the decision to bring in a chief operating officer who's really good at LMA, leading, managing, and holding people accountable, my business changed. And I was always a decent leader, but I was never a good manager, the, the managing and the holding people accountable part. Um, but to extend that, I, I spent a lot more time with the people deeper in my organization, the people that reported to our COO, um, working with them as a mentor capacity. And yes, without question, they become more aware of their role in mentoring others um, and again, especially when we're deliberate about it, when we bring it up, we talk about it. It's something that we address and discuss at the leadership team level to make sure that we are all um, really mindful of how we're impacting those that are reporting up to us and how we influence them as a mentor. Excellent. We've got about a minute left. And a question I get frequently is, how do you find a mentor. People are looking for mentors. How do they find one? In about, in a couple of sentences, what is your most important piece of advice on that topic? I think if you're if you're reaching out to someone and you're you're seeking someone as a mentor, um, to be to be able and willing to to follow up. Um, you know, this is not like dating. It's okay to appear overly ambitious. Um, you know, it's okay to return the phone call quickly or whatever so, you know, so they know about it. You, you want the person to know that you're serious about this, um, but don't do it in a way, you know, like you send the 3,000-word email at 2 in the morning um, that makes it feel like it's going to be taxing on my time um, or on the mentor's time. So, I think that um, it's okay to be zealous and persistent and and communicate um, in, in a progressive way, but without um, providing a, a, an overburdensome amount of information. I think that's the thing that, that most people I know that are that, that mentor a lot of people will will, will agree that uh, um, it's it's far more fruitful for both parties if it's easy to be in this mentor mentee relationship rather than burdensome. Um, and any signs of it becoming burdensome is is what gets gets uh, frightening terrific thank you very much we're coming to the close of our show i want to thank you again for your time and your insights i think our listeners are going to learn a lot thanks thank you for joining us this week for mentoring with larry sternberg Please join Larry again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, for another edition of the program on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.